Excellent. We thank you. Let me move some stuff around here for you. Um, we're still in the process of trying to get the church back together from yesterday. Uh, there just kind of came a point where you just said, okay, we're just tired. <laughs> I mean, after all that, all the, all the people that we had here and whatnot. So let me get this over here. Uh, I want you to turn to Luke uh, chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to go. Uh, I've been talking to you a little bit about um, what to do when, our, when we have a ch uh, child that uh, sins and leaves the faith. And uh, I think if we're honest, pretty much honest here, uh, many of us have experienced that, where uh, one, of the, one of our children are not doing what God uh, had in store for them or th how we raised them. And uh, th th that's, that's a very, very hard, uh, hard thing to, to digest and very, very hard thing to, uh, uh, to experience because, you know, we've done better than that. I mean, we raised you better than that. And and yet, uh, uh, they still have a free will, and uh, they uh, uh, can still uh, make decisions on their own. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, and then um, next week we're going to change just a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a Father's Day sermon next week. I, I understand it's not Father's Day, I know that, but we're also having the Father's Day Father-Son Banquet at the church that day too. So, uh, so that's why we're kind of going to do that. Then... Uh, we're going to start the You Ask For It series. And if you remember in the summertime, that's what I do is I'll uh, find out what you guys want me to talk about and we'll go into that. And many of you are talking about the book of Revelation. Uh, I'll be honest, it's not one of my favorite books. The reason why it's not one of my favorite books is because it's, it's a hard book, a very, very hard book to understand and to, uh, and to preach out of. So, but I will do that. Uh, you're going to stretch me a little bit. And uh, the first question was, why is the book of Revelation so hard to understand? Okay, well, we're going to go right into it. So that's going to be the 19th. Then we're going to spend about a month on that, and then we're going to go to various other, other uh, subjects that we're going to talk about. All right, so if we go to uh, Luke chapter 19. Am I up? There we go. Uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, continue to ask the question, uh, when my child sins and moves from the faith, uh, and that's part two here, um, and uh, how, how do we respond as a parent? What should we do as a parent? So uh, last week I, I made some very blunt statements, but it's a serious, it's a serious issue we have to look at, um, and we'll, we'll review that a little bit uh, later on. Jesus liked to talk in parables. And a parable is actually a, a story with a meaning behind it. In the Christian realm, in the Bible, a parable is a, is a story that has a spiritual or moral meaning behind it. The nice part about parables is you can have the meaning that Jesus is trying to get across, but there's also sub-meanings that can come across as well. For example, the parable of the prodigal son, uh, we normally take it on how you handle it when your, your son moves away and does bad things. That's not what Jesus was getting across. In fact, what Jesus was getting across was he was trying to give uh, Pharisees and uh, Sadducees and teachers of the law, was trying to uh, teach them a lesson is what he was trying to do. So in order to totally understand that, uh, what, what he was trying to get across, we, we have to do some background uh, checking. In other words, uh, context. 
Context, context, context is so important because you can open up the Bible and you can find a, a, a one scripture verse to prove anything that you want to prove. But that's not, may not be what Jesus is trying to get across. Context, context, context is so important. So in order to understand what Jesus is trying to get across, you have to go to verse 1 of Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus knew this. And so then Jesus decided that I'm going to teach them a lesson. Not the way we teach them a lesson. I mean, you know, take them to a woodshed, that teaches them a lesson. But he says, I'm going to tell them a story that's going to get across their attitude. And so he has basically three parables that he, he shares at this time. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. If you lose a sheep, you're going to go out and try to find them and bring them back. Then the next parable is the uh, parable of the lost coin, where this lady loses a coin. Now for us, it, we're such a rich nation that if we lose a penny or a quarter or a coin, you know, whatever. I mean, you go into Walmart, all the time in Walmart, and you see coins on the ground. Now, I do pick up pennies. You know, there's many people, pennies are so worthless now, right now, people are looking at it and go, ah, I'm just going to listen. No, I'll pick it up. I'm, someday I might need it. I found a quarter the other day. So, uh, so he, give, he gives us this little story. Now, I guarantee if, the, if you had a gold coin that's worth, how much is gold right now an ounce? Anybody know? Last time I heard it was $2,500. You better believe that I'm going to go through the, through, through the house trying to find that coin. All right? So now Jesus digs even deeper. And he, and he shares a story about a man and his two sons. And the one son became a little rebellious. And so what Jesus is trying to get across is, hey, Pharisees, teachers of the law, hello, what you're doing is wrong. Your attitude is wrong. I have these sinners that are with me. They're here. These tax collectors are here. These sinners, these prostitutes are here. They're all here. And I'm sharing the kingdom of God. You should be rejoicing. Instead, you're muttering. So Jesus starts out. And he gives this parable. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up the property. Stop there. We have to kind of get the, a little bit of an added the, the, uh, the context of what was happening. So Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, teachers of the law. And they were animated. Normally they were animated when they, were, when they heard stories or things they did not like. All right. So he starts out and says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. He didn't ask for it. He says, give it to me. And I can just imagine these Pharisees going, oh, oh, what a horrible son. Oh, they're groaning. Everybody groan. Oh, you didn't do it like a Pharisee. Come on. Come on. Oh, there you go. And so, so they, here you have, Father, give me the share of the estate. There you go. Oh, I can't believe he did that. Okay. So he divided up his property between them. Now, what he was essentially saying to his father was, I want you dead. Uh, okay, this side got it. Uh, I want you dead. 
Okay, and I, and, and I want the money now. Now, they did have times when you gave the estate before you died to the son. And we do that even in our society, especially the farming community. When you're getting towards the end of your, your life, you know that. You start die, giving uh, estates to your sons or your daughters. And the reason why you do that is for tax reasons or whatnot. And so what the father did is he actually did that. He actually gave it to his sons. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I can see that the Pharisees groaned at that time, too. He gave it to their sons. Let's hear it. Okay. Why would you do something like that? And so not long after he got his estate, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. Now, what Jesus was getting across here is when somebody gets involved with sin, it is a distant country they go to. When people leave the family, like what we're talking about, it's a distant country that these people go to. This is not the country. This is not the family. This is not the family name that, that you came from. So they go to a distant country, and he squandered his wealth with wild living. Now, the word squandered, you farmers understand this word. Because the word for squandered actually means wasted. It, it, it's referring to planting seeds. When you, when you plant a seed, there are times that you plant a seed and it's wasted when you do that. Let's say it's a very shallow or, or a, a rocky area. I, I think of this, this guy, where am I at? This guy that plants at the, at the St. Mary's River. Yeah, you, I hope it's not one of you guys, is it? Every time he plants there, and he, I've heard him say this. I know it's going to rain because I plant, and the next week, within the next week, it's going to rain. And so I was going up 127, and I saw him planting on Monday. And I thought to myself, it's going to rain tomorrow. That's when we had that whole week of rain about two, three weeks ago. And then I drove by there just the other day, and I saw how much of his field was flooded. It was wasted seed. You got that? planted it, and now it's wasted. So that's what the word squandered is. So he got the inheritance, he got the inheritance, and he wasted it, squandered it, and his wealth on wild living. Now what he did at this point, it doesn't say. Uh, his brother eventually comes back, gets angry, and he says prostitutes and everything else. I don't know if he did it. We just know that it was wild, wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. Okay, gas prices went up to $5 a gallon. Okay, so he, he had all this money. He wasted it, and then there was nothing left. And then when the famine came, he had nothing to live on. Gas prices went to $5 a gallon. Grocery store, you can add an extra $1 to everything that you bought last year. I mean, that's what was happening. And, and it was in the whole country as we're experiencing in the United States. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that foreign country, that sinfulness, and out of the, and, and the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Now you're saying, whoopee-doo. No, 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 you understand. Jewish people and pigs did not get along. Okay, so you're not to have... Uh, Jewish people, you were not to eat or consume pork. And so he hit rock bottom at that point. A very interesting thing I want to bring out is 
when somebody gets to that point of hitting rock bottom, that's when they start to compromise. A lot of times they start to compromise their standards at that time. And, and so that's kind of what he did. He had no other choice, so he started compromising his standards. He, he fed the pigs. He hit rock bottom. Now, this, the Pharisees would be even worse on this one, so get ready. Okay, so he, he fed the pigs, and the Pharisees would go, I can't believe he would have done that. Ugh. Okay, and so, uh, so he's, Jesus is right now, he's digging deeper, digging deeper. This person hit rock bottom. If you're ever on YouTube, look up Kensington Street, Philadelphia. Okay. If you want your heart to break, you look up Kensington Street, Philadelphia. That's the street in Philadelphia that is, has the drug addicts on it. And I'm not talking about one or two. It is the whole street is lined up with drug addicts. You got two choices when you see something like that. You can go like the Pharisees, oh, or your heart can break. My heart breaks. These are individuals that got involved with something and it, they just got sucked into it more and more and more. If you know anyone that's a drug addict, you understand that. They get sucked into it more and more and more. Okay. That's, that's the rock bottom street. That's, that's where the sun was. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, yet no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, that's, that's the key to hitting rock bottom. Somebody coming to their senses. Uh, my first church, I, I had to learn that the hard way. I had a person across the street that was an alcoholic. And he kept coming to church asking for money to pay his bills, pay his bills, pay his bills. I finally went to a, a, a substance abuse counselor in Montpelier, Ohio. I said, what am I doing wrong? He says, you're being a pastor. That's the biggest mistake you're doing. He says, when you pay for their electric bill, you just gave them more money to buy their beer. He says, that's your problem. And so when people come to the church and ask for stuff, I always ask myself this question, is what do they really need? What do they really need? And I have gone to people's houses who have asked for, for funds or wherever else to give them a check. Or, and I walk in and I see this big screen TV with all the cable and everything else on it. You, you, know, you don't really need uh, the money. You need uh, financial counseling and you need to get rid of this cable. How much is cable now? I haven't had cable in years. Is it over 100? I know it's over 100. More, more than that? Yeah. I mean, and so, and so um, he came to his senses. He's realized, I can't live this way anymore. I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one like like one of your hired servants. So he came to his senses because he remembered where he came from. Parents, this is why it's so important. You establish that foundation. So if they do leave, they always remember where they came from. And they said, my life was so much better back then. See, we're starting to bring, pull everything together. Uh, and, and so it was so much better back then. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. I just, Dad, I don't even have to be your son. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to come home. So he got up. He got up and went to his father. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But while he was way off, his father saw him. That means his father was looking for him. And was filled with compassion. Not judgmentalism, compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. My son did something weird to me last time he was here a couple weeks ago. He kissed me. I pity you poor women. He had a beard. He's... (laughs) I felt like I had 200 little little pinpricks right here. I go, but I'll never forget him kissing me. I, I didn't come from that family. I'll never forget that. I even, I even went, he kissed me. He goes, yeah, Dad, I did. Oh, okay. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and, remember last week, I said what I say? Celebrate. Celebrate. He's not going, I told you so. Told you so if you did this, this was going to happen. He was just so thankful to have his son back, he celebrated. He celebrated. Now, there's a second part to this parable that normally we don't talk about, and that's the older son. But I want to talk about him a little bit. A couple, couple things I want to bring out before we get into him. Usually when there's dysfunction in a family or one person in the family is in dysfunction, the whole family focuses on that one child. You've got to remember there's all other children there too. They're there too. You need to remember that. Because sometimes they're so focused on this kid that you forget about the other kids. You just take it for granted. All right, let's look at this guy. For the son was dead, and now we so they began to celebrate. I want to go to the next verse. Meanwhile, the older son, and he's referring to the religious leaders here, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he said. He replied, your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The, the, the fatted calf is important as well. Rich people always had a fatted calf that was uh, uh, right there, ready for any celebration. He, he had a, a freezer full of steak. Okay? Now, that fatted calf was usually available and ready for weddings and celebrations. Most likely, some scholars believe, and they're putting this, this fatted calf belonged to the older brother and was getting ready for his wedding. 
So can you imagine if the older brother comes home and his, his, his fatted calf is now being slaughtered and being eaten by my brother who left me in charge of everything, who left everything, and I had to take care of everything. Always remember, irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. Whenever there's irresponsibility, someone has to take up the slack. So this brother left, and who had to take over his work? The older brother. You got that? Irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. Okay. So, but instead of celebrating the fact that my brother has come home, the older brother became very angry. Why? That's my calf. Um, every one of us has got this attitude. I mean, mom and dad always gave them this, and I never got this. Every family has got that. I had to pay for my college. I had to go to work. And my brother, mom and dad, paid for his college. But they never paid for mine. My sister, I mean, she got five acres of land and uh, built a house on it. She was supposed to pay us all this money. And she, she paid some. It's not fair. You know, it bothered me a little bit until I came to the conclusion that it's not my money. Mommy and daddy can do whatever they want with it. And when I, when I got to that attitude, it's like, fine, I don't care. Whatever. I tell my kids that too. I said, by the time I die, if, if you get anything, be happy. So, the older brother became angry, see that? And refused to go in. Stubbornness. How many times we have issues in our family and it all boils down to stubbornness so his father went out to be and plead with him but he answered his father look all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me not even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends But when this son of yours, do you hear that? This son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes. Now, we don't know if he was involved with prostitutes. Let's be honest. We don't know. But, I mean, he just, he probably spent it on prostitutes and everything else. Prostitutes come home. You kill the fatted calf, which is my calf, by the way. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. See, many times when we're in the Father's grace, we don't realize just how good we have it. Yes, gas is $5 a gallon. I don't like that. But I know in Korea, it's much more expensive. We still live in the wealthiest nation in the world. But many times we don't see that. You want to see pollution? Go to India. Where there's a dead river that goes through Calcutta. It's literally black. Where they need to uh, outlaw styrofoam. Because grass isn't green there. It's white with styrofoam. From all the styrofoam plates and cups. 
you don't realize how good you got it. My son, you're always with me, and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and now is alive again, was lost and is now found. You will never understand the heart of a parent until you become one. And a wandering kid, child, comes home. You'll never understand. Now, make sure I'm done here. The parable stops at this point. It doesn't say if the brother went in or not. But I think if we were to finish it, this is how it would end. And the older brother took his father, beat him, and killed him. Because what Jesus was talking about was the religious leaders. And the religious leaders, that's what they did to him. See that? So what Jesus was doing is he was going after these religious leaders who were, you know, they were, oh, the fact that these sinners were coming and hearing the good news. And Jesus was saying, listen, they're coming. Aren't you glad? Instead, you're not glad. What you are, you're judgmental, and you're going after them because they're judgmental. And, and, and that's terrible what you're doing. In fact, you're the, you're the older brothers. And God's God the Father, and God can do whatever he wants, as I had to come to the conclusion with my own family. They, God, my parents can do whatever they want, but God, God can do whatever he wants. Understand that? And celebrate the fact that these tax collectors and these sinners are coming home. And instead of celebrating, you're... Now, there's a secondary meaning to this parable. And we talked a little bit about it last week. And I want to do a little review on last week. Uh, whoop, I did the wrong one. This is what happens when you have too many switches up here. Okay. One review last week. What do we do when we have a wayward child? We tell them the truth. It's their responsibility to accept the truth or not. We maintain the authority in areas we still have authority. You are still the authority of your home. Okay. Um, so let's say my son comes home from uh, college and he has a fifth of whiskey or vodka, whatever you call it, and he brings it in our house. And mom and dad, I'm, I'm of age now. I'm going to bring this into your home. No, you're not going to. Trust me, I've, I've picked up too many bodies on the side of the road to like that stuff. I don't like that stuff. I don't like what it does. Now, yes, I cannot stand up here and say the Bible condemns it. The Bible does not condemn it. But I'm telling you, I don't like the stuff. I, 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 my first accident I was ever on was uh, was substance abuse accident, you know, and I had the flu at that time, so you know what happened. Now I'm at the flu up here working with a guy that I thought lost his leg. And it all had to do with substance abuse. Do you think that I really like this stuff? Absolutely not. David, you're not going to bring that into my house. But Dad, I'm old enough. It will not be in my house. That's my where I have my authority. I don't care how old you are. If they want to, David, if you want to drink it, you go, you get your own apartment. Well, I'm going to do that. Then let him go. Uh, let them hit rock bottom. 
bail them out unless it is absolutely necessary. Now, what I mean by that is very simply this. If my daughters or my son was on Kensington Street in Philadelphia, do you think I'm going to go and pick him up and get him out of there? You better believe I am. But there's other stuff you just have to use wisdom and say, you want to live that? You have that choice. You're going to pay a price. Look and pray for them to return and celebrate when they do return. All right? Now, this is what I want to add to it. There is hope. The father was looking for the son. The father was looking for the son. The truth is this. God loves your child more than you do. And you're saying, what? Trust me, he does. There's a Bible verse that talks about, uh, can a woman forget their child when she's nursing on the breast? The answer is yes. Because you're so tired, what do you do? You fall asleep and you don't even know that the, you, when you wake up, you forget the fact that the baby's there, right? Right? I remember that when Polly, she says, I, I woke up and I didn't know where my baby was. And then I looked out and there she is. God will never forget you. God will never forget. And God loves your child more than you do. The next one is this. God does not forget your child. That, that father did not forget the child, was looking for the child. The Holy Spirit is following your child right now. And the Holy Spirit has a way of making them miserable. They used to pray in the churches. Women used to come down to the altar and pray for their children. And they say, Lord, make them so miserable that they come back to you. That's how they used to pray. Now we pray, Lord, take away the consequences. No, we need to pray that they're miserable. Okay? And maybe that's why they're so miserable. Maybe that's why they're so angry when you bring it up. Because it's actually the Holy Spirit that's actually working in their life. No one likes to be told they're wrong. How do you know that? Get on Facebook. Look what's, ha look what's being said on Facebook. And how many arguments are on Facebook? People hear me on this one. You, that, that, that child woke up and said, I can go home and he, he looked at the, at, the, at the nirvana of his father's house and says, I'm going to go home. Imagine if it was the worst situation it was in, he'd want to stay there, but it was a much better situation. People hear this. We are filled with the people in the United States that are miserable right now because they've forsaken God and they've walked away from God. How are they going to come home unless they see Christians that are celebrating, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are excited about Jesus? How else can you do that except on social media or in the areas that you're at? So hear me, Christians. Hear this. This is so important. Stop arguing on social media. How many of you changed your, your opinion because of an argument that you won or lost? Stop it. The best thing to do is let your light shine on social media. Yes, you tell the truth. Don't get me wrong. But let Jesus shine on it. Nancy Etkin does a wonderful job of that. We need to let our light shine so that when they hit rock bottom, they can say, what is there? There's got to be something better. Oh, I saw that. And trust me, I'm as guilty as you guys are. I'm as angry as you guys. I do not like June anymore. I cringe when we get into May. Because I'm going, oh, i got to go through this again. I, I, I've, got a, I've got a friend that's 
every time I make a comment on Facebook, because you've seen some of them made is very seriously, the children need a male-female home. And, and, and they, he comes right at me every time. You, if you've ever read that, you notice I don't reply back. And I want to. Trust me, I want to. I'm just going to let my statement lie. Let your light shine so when they hit rock bottom, they see that there's something better. God has not forgotten your child. God desires for your child to be saved. The Bible says that God does not want anyone. God desires everyone to be saved. Second uh, Timothy, I got the passage here. Second uh, Timothy two three. God desires for everyone to be saved, and, and that means everyone, even those that you want to go to hell. God wants them to be saved. Doesn't mean they're saved, but He wants them to be saved. So God desires for your child to be saved, and sometimes they have to hit rock bottom before they around and lastly is this when he does come home celebrate or she have compassion and kiss them now sibling I know it's hard because you want to say mom and dad why are you giving them the fatted calf they don't deserve a fatted calf. They did all this. They hurt you. They did this and this and this. It's not my calf. It's theirs. His. But have compassion. They have scars that will never be healed. They will. And they paid a price that you'll never understand. Have compassion. Can I, I'm going to. I have to do the background checks for T-ball. The one thing I want you to know is I will never share your background with anyone. Unless I have. And all I have to say is the grace of God is good. So trust me, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Because my God has forgiven me of my sins. I'm not going to bring up yours. Hear me? And the Father celebrates. You're saying, well, I, my situation's unique. It feels like it's unique, but it's not. John Piper, an author, uh, a prominent author right now, his son is in rebellion. It's very public. He's on YouTube and TikTok and what all the other ones are, and he's, his son is actually blasting his father. And he's rejected the faith. And this guy is a prominent pastor in the United States. Billy Graham had a son. His name was Franklin Graham. I watched the testimony of Franklin Graham this week. I kind of wanted to show you, but I couldn't get it down to a, a, a proper length. Uh, and he said, he basically, the, the interviewer kept saying, well, you left the faith. He goes, I never left the faith. 
He says, I just love the world more than the faith. And now he's come home. So I share this with you because many of us have those children, those prodigals, that keep praying. You know, keep, keep begging God. And yeah, I'd even say make them so miserable that they come home to Jesus. But when they do come home, celebrate. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And if you're the son or the brother, as hard as it is, celebrate with them. Let's pray. Father, we've talked about a lot of hard things the last couple of weeks. We do pray that, Lord, you will be with us and help us to celebrate. Help us to celebrate as hard as it is. May we not, may we not be those type that holds it against them. But let's celebrate what Jesus has done. We honor you. And thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.